So tell me your love for Franz Liszt and Scriabin. Well, you know, Franz Liszt is really my really my favorite. Scriabin contributed a lot towards the development of harmony, and he really came on a, like a really unique. He came up with a really unique、uh, harmonic system. That being said, if I had to pick one, I would I would pick Franz Liszt. It, it, it really goes without saying. Just the sheer amount of works that you can explore. And the amount of different styles that all of those compositions encompass.、And、you can also look at his transcriptions. I mean, Liszt transcribed stuff from from Bach prelude and fugues for organ、mm-hmm. to completely free fantasies on on Bach works to things that are like multi-stylistic, like this Handel transcription, things based on popular tunes, it, like a ridiculous amount of variety. Really experimental works. So with Franz Liszt, you're just never going to run out of repertoire ideas. I mean, Leslie Howard recorded the complete list, and that's what 110, 115 CDs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're not gonna. It's safe to say you're never going to run out of material. <laughs> Absolutely. Unless、yes. you're Superman. <laughs> Hello, piano enthusiasts. You're tuned into the Piano Pod. I'm your host Yukimi Song. We're diving into part two of our season four opener, featuring the incredibly talented Dr. Michael Kakoff. If you missed our intriguing chat in part one, where we delved into the mysteries of Scriabin's Snathesia in the life of an independent artist post prestigious training, make sure to catch up on your go-to podcast platform. A warm welcome to. All our new listeners, this podcast is your all-access pass to the captivating world of piano. In each episode of the Piano Pod, I interview a guest speaker who has been breaking exciting new ground in the industry. Please rate the show and review it on your favorite podcasting platform because every rating review will help people find my show. So, my friends, here is part two of the Piano Pod's season four, episode one, with Dr. Michael Kakoff. Please enjoy the show. You are listening to the Piano Pod, where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they are bringing the piano into the 21st century. So, how about scrapping? I, I know you recorded etudes before,、uh, Opus. Yes, I've, I've done the I've done the sixty-five,、uh-huh, sixty-five、yeah. number three. I did the sixth sonata. Um, oh, I did. Yes, I did.、Definitely. I worked on the complete Opus Eight. It's、mm-hmm. using Scraben is on my radar. I will、mm-hmm. definitely release a Scraben album at some point. What grabs me the most in Scraben's output is the late period compositions, the、mm-hmm. late period stuff after Opus Sixty One. Absolutely,、mm-hmm. there's, there's no question about it.、Mm-hmm. I would. I would. It would be enough to say that all of them are worth learning. Every、mm-hmm. single Opus from Sixty One up until Seventy Four. His last composition for for piano, worth learning. In your opinion, what makes them special and worth learning? They're they're special because he came up on a harmonic system, which is still based on acoustic principles. And if you look at the development, he actually didn't throw away the previous relationship, like the acoustic relationships. He's very aware of how the overtone series works, which how the sounds are actually formed. Based on the overtone series, it doesn't go against that. And even though you have things like the sixth sonata, which I recorded, probably his most dissonant、mm-hmm. composition.、Uh, 
it, it's still every single chord can be explained and just the meticulousness of the writing and the way the material develops is extremely traditional. Very true. My teacher, Jerome Lowenthal, said that the Scraven's late music is as clear as a Mozart sonata. It's like even wow. more clear in terms of composition than Mozart. And he's right. There's like nothing in there that's out of place. The wow, level, of, really? level of craftsmanship. Yes, of course, when you hear it, it sounds chaotic, but <laughs> it, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yes. <laughs> are a dedicated music educator, piano teacher, and you teach online mainly, and we can talk about the convenience of it and everything. Yes. But tell me uh, what's like to teach at the Harlem School of the Arts. Well, at the Harlem School of the Arts, I currently have one student who has been with me for many, many years. She started with me when she was three years old. Oh my goodness. It was really kind of probably for a lot of people, they would say it's too early, but we kind of stuck with it. And we really worked, really worked hard with her. And my sort of end goal would be to have her audition for a couple of maybe college prep programs and things like that. I have a, I have a couple of private students that auditioned for different kind of pre-college programs. And I have one person that's currently who got into the Manhattan School of Music pre-college. It's very nice to also uh, prepare for like, like really high stakes sort of mm -hmm. professional goals. But a lot of people also want to take this as like a sort of like a fun class or mm -hmm. not necessarily to have like a, some kind of end result like an exam in mind right. so it's a spectrum i have some people online that are preparing for the rcm or the mm -hmm. abrsm also mm -hmm. you know very valuable i mm -hmm. like that there's a standardized repertoire mm -hmm. list and it kind of makes my life a little bit easier because as you know selecting repertoire is actually like really really important of course yes. how to pick pieces that showcase what you can already mm -hmm. do and how mm -hmm. you can grow so yeah. that's that's that everyone sort of comes to me with a different goal in mind i i, I also teach a lot of like adult adult beginners people that used to play piano as a kid and are coming back to it again so it's a wow. it's a whole spectrum i've seen everything Great. And then so you only have one student at you know Harlem School. Currently, but then, currently. Yes. Right, right. Then most of the students are through online. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Now, let's talk about online learning. So e-learning has become such a big thing, obviously, after 2020, because that was the only way for many of us to be connected with each other, but also only way of learning as well. So tell me your thoughts on that. Pre-COVID, it was a huge like uh, resistance that I felt from yes. among fellow educators and among students as well. But I was actually giving an online lesson even before COVID. I had one or two students who lived in Upper West Side and I couldn't go to their home. So the only way was uh, through actually FaceTime before Zoom because I did not know the existence of Zoom before yeah. COVID, honestly. Yes. So tell me your thoughts on online lessons, e-learning. Online lessons and their success a lot of the time is dependent on the, the weakest link, the, the internet connection on both sides and the kind of basic equipment people are willing to kind of invest in. Either some kind of keyboard with preferably 88 keys 
or an acoustic instrument. So occasionally I, I make people go and, and purchase a, a microphone, like a standalone thing that's not that's going to kind of circumvent the Zoom compression something oh, like yes, this. Yes, yes, yes. If, if people can't afford it, I can I can take a financial hit on the first lesson, just buy this mm -hmm. thing for them, just mm -hmm. to ensure that the, the lessons aren't a waste of money and they can actually, I can hear them and they can hear me. Seems like a really basic thing, but it, mm -hmm. it really isn't because it, there, it does take a little bit of special equipment to make it feasible. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they, they cannot really, if there's too much of a lag in the internet connection, it's right. also not a good value. You can't, you can't really teach. Absolutely. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, online is, isn't ideal for complete beginners as well. I, I have those, but it's mm -hmm. less than ideal. And I think people that go into it, they know it might not be, not be a, you know, the best thing. But it can work. With enough dedication, it can, it can work. Mm -hmm. But the, the best results online that I found were people that already had some lessons prior. And they, kind of, they already have like a very clear very clear goals. Yeah. yeah, and then how do you like teaching online? I, I, I love the convenience of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I love working with people who are already come to me with a kind of a motivation because mm -hmm. if you're you're seeking these lessons out online, it's pretty clear that you're, you're kind of interested. You're not passively signed up for some kind of program. You're just going through the motions. So it's yeah. very, very, very nice. I, I've had people reach out because they're, they do have an in-person teacher, but they want a second opinion as they mm -hmm. prepare for an exam. I've had mm -hmm. college students reach out to me also that are enrolled in some program, but they want like an extra extra lesson role, so like a second opinion, or just mm -hmm. even to play through uh, some pieces and see what I what I say about it. So oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great way to do that, uh, using online. Makes sense, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. So as an educator, what do you see in these students, especially the students in, I guess in uh, of Gen Z, I wouldn't say Gen Alpha because I don't think you're teaching really young students, young young students. But no. you know, Gen Z, uh, I'm sure you have students in that, or maybe you are too. You are Gen Z, maybe I don't know. Well, born 1990. What does that make me? Uh, the millennial. Yes, you're still still mm -hmm. well pre millennial. Yeah, but the the era is called millennial. Uh, oh, generation. Okay. Yes. Well, oh, I'm I'm millennial. <laughs> oh my god. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm having an existential crisis yeah. right now. It's, no, 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 no. It's 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 called Gen Gen Y. You're you're in Gen Y. So Gen, oh, Gen Z is y. like okay. yeah. Gen Z is the you know I think the age under twenty three or something. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, what do you see in students of that generation? It varies. Well, people are much better suited to using technology. They're quite mm -hmm. fast with it. Uh, a lot of people already had to go through a lot of the schooling online just because of the COVID thing. I mean, they had to attend regular school mm -hmm. online. A lot of university students had to have online college lessons, even for their major. We're mm -hmm. talking about like the, the, all the big schools, even Juilliard, uh, even people like in the dance program there, they have like online dance classes just through Zoom. So it, I, I feel like those students are already kind of well adapted to this. It's definitely, it definitely needs, like you, you need a certain level of tech savviness and working online requires greater concentration on the part of a student because you can't, you can only communicate these ideas. You can't like directly show it at, at the keyboard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's more, it's more advanced. It's difficult. It's more mm -hmm. difficult. Of course, you're not going to argue otherwise, but it allows for consistency of lessons. 
it allows for flexibility and scheduling and it can it can give you a, a decent result what kind of skills are required or demanded as musicians of young generation you're young as well so you know that skills that you didn't necessarily learn from all the schooling you went through you know what i mean yes i, I wouldn't say it's a skill i think it's a mindset mm. i think it's a mindset at some point you have to really think how do i want to play this composition or you know what do i want to play and, and why am i picking it and you know you know something even as i am playing this this repertoire there's spots in the 19th Hungarian rhapsody where mm. i've always felt strongly when i listen to recordings of it that it might need like a cadenza or it might need like an embellishment on the repeat and i went ahead and i i composed a couple of inserts very carefully so they don't they don't sound intrusive but i make tiny changes in the in the score these are things that are really not encouraged not encouraged in school mm. we're so glued to the score i mean it's i know some people would be horrified mm. listening to a list rhapsody and then looking at the at the repeat passage and seeing that i added some some things in there mm. but ideally ideally it has to be done very sparingly very sparingly it has to sound organic mm. it's a, it's a matter of taste but at least i think when when you get to the point where you can play what you want and how you want i think that's already a very that's already a win that's a win because mm. think about it for a minute early training is based on restriction what not to do and you also learn by imitation and that's a very good thing up to a certain point when you're finally given a completely free pass to do whatever you want what are you going to do you know mm, yeah that that's that's, true. that's an interesting when you get to that point that's pretty interesting what are you going to pick how are you going to play it and why mm, that's a very different perspective right from yes and i've only been thinking about it recently Yeah. That's a very important question to ask. It is, and you mm. you have to come to this. I for a certain period of time, I was collecting old recordings and listening to all the all the recorded output of like Rachmaninoff, Friedman, Gadovsky, Horowitz, like everybody. I have all the, all the collections in my hard drive. I hardly listen to the stuff anymore, but I'm kind of aware mm. of what the pianists of the past sounded like, mm. and it, it was just an era of extreme freedom really strong individuality i mean look at alfred corto uh, yeah. everyone all different all so different and yeah that is that something that you should absolutely mm, absolutely you, you should cultivate yeah? okay. you should cultivate okay. uh, it goes without saying otherwise yeah. why are you recording it if you can't bring something new to it and mm. i don't mean something new in a completely tacky contrived way. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. If you're not going to present something new or have your own ideas about it, mm -hmm. why not just put a recording of Rachmaninoff on? Mm -hmm. Even something like the Rachmaninoff third concerto which I haven't done. I have a wonderful recording of Rachmaninoff himself playing it mm -hmm. in 1939. It, it give me a good reason to play that concerto again. You know, that's that's what you have mm -hmm. to think about mm -hmm. when you learn when you learn a composition. It, it, it may sound arrogant, but it's I'm not saying it's a competition between you and Rachmaninoff. No, <laughs> it's like what what's there what do you have extra to say and why are you why are you picking it and do you think that you can you can present something that's like unique enough when you mm -hmm. select something hey there tpp family the piano pod is now into our fourth season and it's all thanks to you 
Since 2020, you've been with my journey with the TPP, exploring this burning question. How do we make classical music resonate with today's audience in fresh and captivating ways? Four years in, and the journey has been nothing short of magical. The Piano Pod isn't just a podcast, it's a movement, a space where pianists, composers, and educators brainstorm, debate, and reimagine classical music's place in our fast-paced world. We're together on a mission to ensure classical music doesn't just survive, but thrives in our modern age. But here's the thing. To keep bringing you these insightful bi-weekly episodes, I need your help. Every bit of support goes into the podcast essentials, from hosting to high-quality recording tech and the countless hours behind the scenes. So do you want to be part of this journey? Click the PayPal link in the show notes or head to thepianopod.com to donate. And as a token of appreciation, I will personally mail you the Pianopod's snazzy logo sticker. So hit the subscribe button, spread the word, and let's continue our mission and journey as classical musicians. Now let's continue with the show. Because you are not only a concert pianist and recording artist, but also you're an educator. So Let's talk about the vision of the classical music industry. So I wanna, I'm curious to know your thought on how we can keep this classical music tradition or even like classical music itself relevant and then thriving in this fast-paced society. It's still relevant. The markets mm-hmm. of it have changed, but it's, it's as relevant as mm-hmm. it always has been. There's massive audiences online. You have to just find a niche. You have to find something that's like unique to you. And I, I think there there will be an audience for that. Uh, you know, I saw a posting recently and it, it was an artist and he said that he basically doesn't want to continue posting his stuff on YouTube because he feels it's unappreciated and he just wants to take down the whole channel. Mm-hmm. And I feel, what are you doing this for? Are you Are you setting out? to build up, you know, 400,000 subscribers or are you getting your work out there because it's two very different two very different goals. Right. So I would say you you have to be patient, you have to find the audience that's right for you, um that that loves specifically what what you do and what you you select and it's mm-hmm. it's a matter of just staying patient and uh, creating more so-called content but mm-hmm. like on your own terms. If you go into this with the specific mindset of growth, you, you might have to go and study marketing first or, or look at something else because it's it's this it may not be immediately sort of uh, comparable. Also, one one pretty interesting thing: all the major streaming platforms they've peaked, haven't they? Mm-hmm. They've peaked. The time to be on YouTube was right before YouTube was uh, was purchased by Google. Right, the, right. the time for that was, was like 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. however long ago that was. You know, it, right now, it, it's you. the market is so oversaturated that mm-hmm. you really have to be on the lookout for the next kind of big platform. I know, for example, when you post an Instagram reel, it, it gets more organic views than, mm-hmm. than stuff on YouTube or Facebook because Instagram is actively interested in promoting their kind of new, sort of newer newer mm. platform with with like more like you know longer longer video so mm-hmm. when the next sort of big thing comes out you have to be ready for that for example mm-hmm. i've i worked a little bit with with this uh company muse live 
which I think they're going to go. Dr. Lisa Yui, by the way, also played a couple of uh, oh, suicidals yeah. for them okay. for, for Muse Live. Yes, I yeah. think it's going to, it's, they have an app and it's going to go, it's going to go live somewhere in, around this year or maybe next year. We'll see. It's a slight delay to it, but that's just a streaming platform where it's audio only, but mm. it's uncompressed audio. So you can stream potentially like in, in high quality. Oh, wonderful. Then what is your thought on our responsibility or duty, or may, you, you may say a gift as classical musicians to society at large? That, that's, a very, that's, a very good, that's a very good question. You know, I would say our, our duty in, in classical music isn't to cheapen the content so mm -hmm. that it's available, readily available for mass consumption. I think that's an error. If you think that you can get more views by, by doing a certain thing that your heart isn't really in it, and it, it's all just like marketing, and you, I, I think you know what I mean, when you, you're kind of posting certain things that are there just for the, for the views. I think people have to sort of reconsider Really, what, what is what is classical music? It's it's really come to the point where you might not want progress. You just want to do it. Let's do it well again. Let's do it well again. I mean, if you look at the past, look at the past hundred years. Look at the past hundred years of the recording industry and of you know all the great artists of the yeah. past. I don't mean that to discourage people. Just on the contrary, but a lot of this has already been done. Let let's keep the level where it is. Let's kind of match the level. Let's not let's not degrade it. Let's not cheapen the art for mass consumption. What I mean by that, even like um, platform limits. I know for for certain Instagram clips, and I've been guilty of that myself. But you can only post a tiny sound bite that is thirty seconds long. I don't know if that's the best sort of. I don't know if that's the same, but the best medium for the mm -hmm. art is is a Chopin scherzo. All about the coda, the last the last thirty seconds. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is is the yeah. list sonata? You just gonna post the octaves, mm -hmm. just the octaves, all the the climax section. That's all the people are gonna hear. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not so sure. So, it, it's just it's a question of media. Mm -hmm. Also, what mindset are you when you're on social media and looking for so-called content to watch, kind of scrolling by? It, are, are you gonna listen to a late list masterwork when you're when you can't completely focus on it or it's like mm -hmm. a background music i don't think so mm -hmm. so it just it's a question of kind of redefining what what these platforms are for i, I don't mean that i don't mean that in a, in a pessimistic way I right 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 yeah totally i understand that why do you think it matters to each one of us at one point to explore and examine our sense of purpose or mission as performing artists and music educators well, I, I think we have to think about that anytime. I think just with with rigorous schooling, with with staying in a more kind of confined thing where you have a, a thousand things going on, you, your number one concern is when I graduate, am I going to find a find a job? Uh, am I wrong? Is, mm -hmm. it, that's really that kind of weighs you down, and it completely it, it, it may crush some of your creative instincts, right? right. Uh, let's let's say you want to let's say your main goal from recording is to make a profit. It's not going to happen. If you look at streaming, what streaming pays, 
And if you look at like the, the various platforms, I mean, you're, it's not even close to not even close to minimum wage. Of course, there's things like Bandcamp where you can you can sell uh, like a, a physical product or people can donate. And these things are actually changing already. But in the case of in the case of the most popular one, like Apple Music and mm-hmm. Spotify, right. it's safe to say that the, the streaming income that you make from that will not cover your production costs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's these things have changed. Mm-hmm. They've changed very rapidly. You went from from CDs, physical CDs, being relatively profitable mm-hmm. in the '90s when record labels were actively looking to duplicate the catalogs previously available in mm-hmm. LP. They, mm-hmm. right, there, there was a mad rush to get the stuff documented. That's when companies like Philips, Sony, and others would actually pay a very decent amount of money and royalties for that. Right mm-hmm. now. I don't know. Right now, I think the for the recording, it's more it's it's going to go in a library somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's going to go in one of those students. I'm sure know this with like the Noxus Sound Library, where you can access pretty much anything mm-hmm. on demand for streaming. So mm-hmm. the the purpose kind of changed, but I think it's still it's still worthwhile. It's, you think? It's, yes. It, it, it the is, life is hard. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's it, look. If you if you're number one, I, I, because I'm only saying this because people have asked me this. They're saying, "Well, there's what you're telling me. There's never going to be any profits in this, or absolutely, there there may never be any profit. And the best that you can hope for for some of this is you, if you're a freelancer and you produce a project like that, is a nice tax write-off. Get a good accountant." Get a good accountant. Write write off those thousands that you invest in your career. It might be worth it, and then something eventually will click in place because you're you're spending basically on it's an advertisement, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're also taking a so-called loss just to artistry can't exist in a vacuum. You need an audience. You need a specific goal. Mm-hmm. It's not like a treadmill where oh, I'm just going to do this to get better just to for self betterment it's it, no it's that's not it entirely you need an audience you need at least one person out there that you're going to communicate with as you play and it may reach somebody just what takes one person yes right so yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah well, when you make a recording you're playing for the sound engineer in the booth mm-hmm. <laughs> yes well thank you michael it's been a really uh, great conversation i'm really enjoying this now um Time is running up and we're toward the end of our wonderful conversation here. But I just want to know a few more things. So one is, what is your next step or next phase in your career? What's your next goal? Not that it doesn't have to be the specific. We, we know the specifics, like the, your recording is coming up, your concert is yes. coming up in September. Well, but- no, it's, you, it's, you asked a very good question. Mm-hmm. The, I, I want to play more live and I want to start booking more venues and mm-hmm. playing. Because recording can only take you so far. I, I want to just go live. I, I want mm-hmm. to do more, more streaming, more mm-hmm. streaming, and more, more, streaming. more live, okay. and, and more, more live, more live mm-hmm. concerts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's, it will happen. And I'm, uh, I can't wait for, uh, really, the concert. You know, to attend in September and more. You know, so yeah, that would be great. Wonderful. Yeah, it's it's now, enjoyable. Now. You know, look, you you cannot set concrete career goals because you never know how the industry is going to change and what's mm-hmm. going to click into place all you can do is be very alert mm-hmm. and look at a variety of like different options and see what clicks into place otherwise you're going to be deeply unhappy mm-hmm. deeply unhappy if, if your number one goal here is to secure a traditional management 
by a certain number of years. I don't know if, if that may ever happen. I'm fine with that never happening. For me, I came to terms with that. But in music school, everybody's sort of grinding the same thing. They're either doing you know, competition after competition, hoping to secure a traditional management, mm-hmm. which is, which is going to last only a couple of years anyway, with in most cases, three or four years if you win something. And then they, they kind of grind these degrees. And then you hope to secure like a college position by a certain amount of time, after which uh, people have told me, you know, if you don't secure a college professorship, like an X number of years after graduation, you may not be hireable. I'm fine with that. Yeah, but you I'm know, honestly, I'm completely yeah, fine with that. Yeah. It's not true, though. It's not true, though. Yeah. And and it's and it's not. It's not entirely mm-hmm. true. But it's you not. can't set like artificial deadlines for yourself mm-hmm. like that, and you can't, you can't just start doing the same thing. You know, getting into a mood where you're doing the same thing over and over, and hoping mm-hmm. something's gonna finally click into mm-hmm. place. That's a definition of insanity. Yeah. But you know what? Unknown makes us thrive. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's it's hard, but the the unknown makes us who we are as artists. That's yes. why our in, industry, this uh, performing arts industry, is so interesting, and you can really push so hard, so far, right? Because of the unknown that you're presuming, yes. right? Yeah, yes. So, yeah. Your, your only enemy is what's what's like inside your mind, like the limitations mm-hmm. that you create for yourself. You think it mm-hmm. can be done? Actually, it probably can. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Just go mm-hmm. for it right now. Yeah. Before we go, I want to promote. Uh, so I know the concert is coming up on September 2nd, but this show comes up on the 5th. So unfortunately, it won't be much of a promotion. But for listeners, if you're listening and who are interested in learning more about Michael, please go to Michael K. Koff piano.com and also he will have the next all list album coming out in sometime next year early next year 2024 so please on the lookout for his recording on any music streaming services i guess right? yes Apple. yes mm-hmm. and Bandcamp and, and others yes okay great fantastic so michael again this has been a great fun inspirational conversation but before i let you go we have one more thing to do it's called the piano pod rapid fire questions and this is part of the show where i get to ask fun questions to each guest now here's a little twist as silly as these questions may sound your answers may reveal who you truly are oh and then uh so uh i want you to answer each question with the shortest response as responses as possible so and then you don't have to explain anything just just do it all right are you ready yes all righty number one what is your comfort food pasta yeah how do you like your coffee espresso double shot with a little bit of steamed milk cats or dogs dogs preferably basset hounds sunrise or sunset Sunset. Summer or winter? Winter. Good old paper book or ebook? Ebook. Okay. What is your word or words to live by? I don't think I have any. I don't think I have any. It might be an obscene word. It might be mm-hmm. something obscene when you, in a frustration, you you say something like that. But <laughs> just, I'm a product of the of the 21st century, unfortunately. <laughs> it's okay. So what is the most quality you look for in other people? An openness and 
good intentions. Just mm. open to new things and not looking to uh, beat anybody down because there's really kind of two types of people. I want you to name three people who inspire you, living or dead. My mother. I would say also a Franz Liszt. And maybe for, for pianists, for, for pianists of the past, uh, it's, it's really, really hard to say, really hard to say. Maybe somebody like Ignaz Friedman. Oh, yes. I love his interpretation of Chopin Nocturne. Oh, that's uh, a great one. That's a great B one. B major, especially. Oh, the, so the, the E flat, the E flat, E flat mm -hmm. major. There's a B major piano roll that you're mm -hmm. referring to, but there's also the acoustic recording of the, of the E flat, the late oh, yeah. one. Yes, yes. Oh, wow, wow. Yes. Yeah. Great. Now, name one piece in your current playlist. Uh, probably a bunch of Art Tatum stuff, something like Art Tatum, Night and Day. Oh, 1946. Yes. I love that pianist, jazz pianist so much. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, he's incredible. All right, so last but least, fill in the blank. Music is blank. Life. Music is life. Wonderful. Yay. Ding, ding. You won. So this concludes this episode of The Piano Pod. Thank you, Michael, for joining thank my you. show today. No, thank you. It was great. It's to be here. Oh, wonderful. And then thank you for sharing your stories and insights and expertise. You can learn more about Dr. Michael Kakoff and his amazing work through his website at michaelkakoffpiano.com. And you can listen to his recordings on all major music streaming services. All the links are listed in the show notes. Thank you to my wonderful audience and fans for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review it on wherever you get your podcast. Remember to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to my YouTube channel if you are watching this, uh, this episode on YouTube. Follow The Piano Pod on social media to get the latest piano news via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I will see you for the next episode of The Piano Pod. Bye, everyone. And bye, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you.